Let's turn again in the Word of God to Matthew, the book of Matthew, and the chapter number 6. Matthew chapter 6. Let us hear again the Word of God, Matthew 6, and we'll begin at the verse number 19. Matthew six nineteen through to the verse 24. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness! No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Let's pray as we seek the Lord for His help here tonight. O loving Heavenly Father, we come before Thee once again in prayer. And we come confessing our great need of Thy help here tonight. O Lord, we pray again that You would meet with us around Thy Word and that Thy Holy Spirit would illuminate the Scriptures to our minds. Lord, we know that we're dealing with Thy Word and we know the great blessing that comes from our study and our meditation upon it. Lord, we are not dealing with dead pages of literature. We are dealing with the true and living Word of Thyself. And so, Lord, impart it to us that we would walk in Thy wisdom, that we would walk in the light of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, and that it would be proclaimed faithfully from this pulpit with Thy help as it has in years past and will, pray God, going forward into the future, world without end, the Gospel light shining forth, as we pray in Jesus' most precious and worthy name. Amen. Beloved, as we have prayed about this Word, this is the Word of God. And this is God's finished revelation to mankind. Within its pages are the sufficient instruction uh, to become and to continue on as citizens of the kingdom of God. And as citizens, we are instructed, as in Ephesians six seventeen, to arm ourselves the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And just as the Word of God is the Christian's armor against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, says Ephesians six twelve. It is also a precise instrument, like a scalpel. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. 
The word of God is also one of judgment and warning against sin. Revelation 2.16 says, Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. And as we come to consider this portion of Jesus Christ's Sermon on the Mount, we do so under the shadow of the raised sword of the Word. And so may it be even our humble prayer here this evening that the sharp edge of Thy Word would pierce our hearts, that it would cut away any unbelief and doubt so that our faith would flourish like the flowers of spring. Lord, we pray You would cut away any anxiety and fear that our trust in Thee would inform every aspect of our lives so that we would live all of life to the glory and honor of God Himself. We need to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and that that would be our chief desire, would be the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Tonight I want to discuss with you the following outline. The priority the position, and the promise. And so it is with the priority. As Jesus preached upon the mount to the multitudes then and to the multitudes now, the sword of the Word falls, dividing, discerning, exposing, and the result is the truth. The result of this is the truth of our hearts and the priority thereof. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first. Whom do we uh, firstly seek? The sword falls between two possibilities. Earthly or heavenly treasures. Are your treasures laid up upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and thieves break through and steal? Or have you laid up for yourselves treasures in heaven? where they are incorruptible. Verse 21 says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so is our priority. Worldly treasures. Have we prioritized things that perish? I remember when Nicola and I were first married, we moved into a home that was built by my grandfather in 1950. It was inherited by my father, and his siblings. And it was a great blessing to us in our first years of marriage. I thought of that house as really a, a, a link or a, a, a testament back to my, my grandfather, who was a godly man, and his wife, who was a godly woman. But you know where that, that building is now? It's nothing but rubble and dust. It is no testament at all, but the testament that mattered was the testament of their godly walk. That is the thing that does not perish. That is the thing that cannot be reduced to dust and rubble, my friends. It is the thing that endureth. That is their testimony to me and their witness that endures. See, their prayers even outlived them. And really that is a, an encouragement to every grandparent here as we, as, as we pray for our grandchildren All the prayers are heard on high. Colossians 3 verse 1 says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, 
where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. See, if our treasures are of this world, then we shall perish and leave our children that inheritance of dust. And if we gain the whole world but lose our soul, then we shall leave a legacy of ashes. But if our treasure, if our witness is a sure and steadfast hope in Jesus Christ, if we seek first the the eternal kingdom of God, the pursuit of righteousness, and then we have, as 1 Peter 1 verse 4 says, an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Now as we look at verse 22 and 23, the sword of the word divides between an eye of light and an eye of evil. Here we must examine the perspective of our priorities If the body, think of the body as a room and and the eye as a candle. And if that candle burns brightly for righteousness, it illuminates the whole room. The whole room is filled with light. Thy whole body shall be full of light, says verse 22. And by this, all of our actions are influenced by that light, by that noble principle. Thy whole life will be illuminated We can be governed and guided by it and our minds cheerful, our minds pleasant and our estate and condition prosperous and successful. Verse 22 says, If therefore thine eye be single, speaking of that being focused upon one thing, seek ye first, namely that kingdom of God. But a single eye is even more nuanced than that. I had some help from the commentary of Matthew Henry. He was describing the the nuanced word of of our focus. It is the Greek word haplos, which is often rendered as as free and bountiful. If the heart be inclined to goodness and to charity, it will direct the man to Christian actions. The whole conversation will be full of light, full of evidences of salvation, Instances of true Christianity, that pure religion that burns, that pure religion that is the brightness of light, undefiled before God and before the Father, full of light, manifested in good works, which are our light shining before the eyes of men. I pray this is our perspective here today, Christian, a single eye, free and bountiful, full of light, and seeking firstly the kingdom of God. But we have to ask, what if our eye be evil? What if our perspectives are clouded by such things as greed, covetousness, and and hard, if we're envious and griping and grudging? We see such a temper described in Proverbs 23, 6 and 7. It says, Eat thou not the bread of him that hath an evil eye, Neither desire thou his dainty meats, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. If thine eye be evil, says 
Matthew 6.23, thy whole body will be full of darkness. And therefore, that whole conversation will be heathenish and unchristian. Oh, we hear it everywhere in the world, don't we? An eye of darkness guiding them, corrupting them. If there is no good nature in a man, no kind disposition, how great is that darkness in that room of his soul? And so I ask today, beloved, what is your perspective? See, Jesus is asking us in the Sermon on the Mount, calling our attention to that at which we aim. Many will aim at a a safe and secure life here on earth, utterly rejecting the kingdom of God, short-sighted, spiritually blind, and yet their aim is true. Their aim is true, sadly, because they will, they will aim and shoot through the darkness of their own soul and they will hit that target and hit the target of eternal misery without God. And just as the eye cannot be divided, neither the heart, neither the heart, Jesus is calling us here tonight to a singular trust and to a singular obedience in Him. Matthew 6, 24 says, As we read, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. What is mammon, you may be asking? It's a Syriac word that signifies gain. So that whatever in this world is gain is mammon. Whatever in this world, whether it be the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, this is mammon. To some, their, their belly would be mammon. To others, it would be their ease or their, their sports or their sleep or their pastimes. These are all mammon. To others, worldly riches. To others, honors. To some, the praise and applause of men. That was the Pharisees' mammon. In a word, it is self. Mammon, you could think of as self. It's the thing which cannot be served in conjunction with God. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot love both or hold to both or hold to both in observance. For they are contrary one to another. And I want to to help us understand how contrary they are. See, God says, give me thine heart. And Mammon says, no, give it to me. God says, be content with such things as ye have. And Mammon says, grasp it all that thou can. Money, riches, By fair means or by foul, mammon says, grasp at all that thou canst. God says, defraud not, lie not, cheat not, steal not. Mammon says, cheat thy own father, if you will. This giving, this this giving undoes us all. God says, be charitable. Mammon says, hold thy own. God says, be careful with nothing. Mammon says, be careful of everything. 
God says, keep holy thy Sabbath day. And Mammon says, make use of that day as any other for the world. You can see how inconsistent are the commands of God and Mammon. You can see that we cannot serve both. And I see that even, even in, the, in tonight's announcements, brother, how you're calling the congregation to gather on the Lord's day. There is no allowance for, for, for a, a Christmas uh, that would be what the world would recognize. Praise God for your witness here that God says, honor thy Sabbath day. Mammon says, oh, let's, let's do some traditional cultural things with that day. You can see even there that in this week to come how there is the sword of the word falling and dividing Where will you be on Christmas morning? Will you be in God's house on the Sabbath day? Or will you be at that counterfeit, uh, that that counterfeit place that we spoke of this morning? Oh, praise you, Lord, for even calling us to such subtlety of obedience. We can see how even, well, let's think of Joshua even. How inconsistent the commands are between God and mammon. Joshua 24. Let's take a look at Joshua 24. Now we can see here how you cannot serve both God and mammon. In this case, it's Joshua instructing the Israelites. And he says there in Joshua 24, 14, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we even see in, let's go to 1 Kings as well, 1 Kings 18, as another example of God calling and asking us whom we will serve. 1 Kings 18, 1 Kings 18, in the verse number 17. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. You can see here Joshua, the troublemaker, really. He is going against the cultural flood. He is raising up a standard against the flood of the wicked. He is choosing this day whom he will serve. And he is being called out as being the troublemaker. I wonder, are there any troublemakers here tonight? Are there any here that will stand up against the wicked day? I pray that there are. And we see here as we continue on in 1 Kings 18, In the verse number 21, looking ahead to 21, it says, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, 
How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. If you feel like you're standing alone against 450 prophets of Baal, if you feel like you are standing alone in Canada as a voice in the wilderness crying out against the evil day, we can see that indeed we are not alone. We are standing by the power and might of God Almighty. And people of Cloverdale, you're not alone. Even tonight as we gather together, there is another congregation meeting in Williams Lake preaching the truth of God's Word in this new building that we rejoice over. Today, throughout Canada, there are many churches and other faithful pulpits. The Word of God, to stand upon it uh, for righteousness' sake, exalting this nation. You are not alone. We stand as, as Elijah did, as a, he alone remained a prophet of the Lord. Oh, if we are but a small remnant, we flock. We do not stand by our own strength, but by God Almighty's. And we know what was the result of this story, don't we? Because when Elijah called down the fire of the Lord, it came falling down in a great fury upon that altar. And then all of Balaam's prophets, they were all slain. All slain. The Lord will have his victory. Indeed. Folks, we cannot serve the kingdom of God and serve the world and its wealth and treasures and idols and lusts of every description. As 1 John 2.15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. There's no middle ground. There is no middle ground between the world and heaven. And you might say, well, but I've walked the middle road my whole life, and I'm walking it still. And you can say, oh, my life has been, been grand. You might have enjoyed a portion of God's common grace to mankind. But Revelation 3, 15 and 16 says this, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. I tell you this, friends. I tell you this to those listening in. There is a crossroad a-coming. There's a fork ahead. There is a divergence. There's a sign that says, ahead are two gates. Matthew 7, 13 says, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Verse 14 says, Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Again, there we are seeing the few. 
the remnant, the ones who are standing alone against the wicked day. We have seen this even as a church, as we've been ordered around by health authorities. We've seen this with the agendas of of wicked lifestyles that are contrary to God's Word. We've seen this with the, the false teachers in the, in the church. We've seen this with false converts. We have to ask ourselves, is the country that we live in somehow neutral? Is, is the secular, secular Canada that we know of today somehow a neutral place? And we have to see, all oh friends, it is not. It has its very own worldview. And that worldview is not a Christian worldview. It is largely and increasingly anti-Christ. And we can see even as we asked whom it is we serve, we must also ask ourselves, are we serving Jesus Christ or are we serving the spirit of anti-Christ in We think Jesus would say the sanctity of life, those that are created in the image of God are so precious to me. And Antichrist would say, oh no, abortion and euthanasia. Even that mindset of Darwinism that would say that life is just survival of the fittest. It has not the value of one imprinted with the image of God. We think of the wicked lifestyles that are so prevalent and celebrated today. And Jesus says, Oh no, repent and come to me. The doors of forgiveness are open to you. Oh come, even now. We cannot serve both Christ and Antichrist in Canada today. And so may we even stand against the flood May we even raise our standard up against it. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, Matthew 7, 21. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works? Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Oh, friends, this is sober business. But it's love that spurs us on in the gospel. It's love that spurs us on into the shadowy corners of our culture. That we would be confronted with truth. That we would confront people with the truth in such a way to show that there is a that crossroads that's coming where you have to decide who it is you serve. And there is an urgency of the sinner's condition. There is that critical need of Christ to those that are lost. The firing squad is taking aim. Our back is against the wall. Choose you this day whom it is you will serve. See, we are not guaranteed tomorrow what a What a vanity of man that we think tomorrow is somehow guaranteed to us. That pride of life. What a vanity it is.
to think we have nothing but time to come unto the Lord. We see here, in, as we read in Deuteronomy 30, Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19 says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life and thy length of days. O sinner, if the Lord is striving with thee, choose life. If Jesus is calling you to trust and obey him, I pray you will this day choose life. See, Jesus is that good master. He is that good shepherd. He is no hireling that will leave when the times are hard. He knows the sins of your heart. And he is that compassionate, compassionate Savior. He is that friend. He is that one that you can cling to, cry out to. that you would serve him with gladness, that you would have your sins dealt with even tonight, knowing that you now have peace with God, knowing that he that hath the Son hath life, choose life. Choose life. As the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, falls, piercing the hearts of those that would, would sit under the preaching and the reading of his Word, I pray that you would, O oh sinner, come forth from the grave of sin into the light of life eternal. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Believest thou this? Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. We cannot have two masters. We cannot serve mammon, that greed, that pride, that lust, that selfishness, led like an animal to slaughter. But we can serve God high and holy, God righteous and loving, and led to, to life eternal like a son or like a daughter. See, Jesus says, oh, you are mine. You are mine. I was born to die. I set my face as a flint. I set my face in agony with the cross of Calvary there before my eyes. And Jesus walked on. He walked on for you, my friend. For to redeem a people unto the Father, he walked that long road for you to Calvary. What is your response to this, to such a friend as that? I pray today that it is, yes, Lord, it is you that I want to serve. I want to live for the kingdom of God and not anymore dwell in that land of darkness and shadow of death. Yes, Lord, I want to serve thee and not only me but my house 
to serve the Lord. I want nothing to do with the prophets of darkness. I want to be that one, even if I stand alone, to walk on with Thee, my dear Savior. I want to be the one that, that is not of thy, the spirit of Antichrist in our country today, but one that would stand with the strong arm of the Lord Almighty, raising up a standard against the flood of the wicked one. I wonder, when you hear the Word of God preached, do you recognize yourself as one that is born again, born from above, born of the Spirit of God? Do you recognize your old self, or do you look at, at this new creation that you are in Christ and rejoice in Him? Are you radically changed? Do you not recognize yourself? Does your brother not recognize you? Does your sister not recognize you? Are you altogether a different creature in Christ with new affections set upon Him, with new affections to see righteousness exalt the nation of Canada and beyond? I wonder if you can say, as in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ that one that made that long walk to Calvary's hill. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me to redeem this darkened, sinful heart for His own glory and for to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you know Him? Do you this day choose life? Do you this day forsake the darkness, forsake the sin of your own heart and follow after that remnant, that wonderful legacy of Christian believers, those soldiers of the cross that have gone before? We spoke today, brother, of Bob Murdoch. We spoke today of my grandpa and my grandma. We spoke of these wonderful saints that have gone before, the saints that have stood at this pulpit. We think of Reverend Priestley, a, a seasoned saint in the Lord, preaching for all those years and then retiring only to find out his work isn't done. And then Reverend Gallagher, who retired from this pulpit after years of faithful ministry, only to be called on to serve the Lord with the radio ministry. And onward that legacy goes. And onward we go, Christian soldier, following after our dear Savior, that wonderful friend that we have named Jesus Christ. Are you saved here this morning? Do not leave without knowing the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior. He is yours and He is mine. Let's sing our final hymn. Our final hymn is the hymn number 581. Hymn number 581. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high His royal banner, it must not suffer loss. From victory unto victory His army shall He lead till every foe is vanquished and Christ is Lord indeed. Shall we stand to sing our praise to Almighty God?
O Heavenly Father, we cry to Thee, O Abba Father. We are so grateful for Thy presence here tonight. We thank You that You have met with us around Thy Word. And Lord, we would, we would ask that You would go with us now into the week, into our workplace, into our family lives, into every aspect of our living out the Christian life. We pray that You would be exalted and, and magnified and glorified in all of our conversations, all of our actions, that our whole life would be instructed by Thee, O Holy Spirit, O Word of God. We pray even that we would be that leaven in our world, in our society, that we would be the salt and the light that is required in this dark day. Oh Lord, carry us as we've sung from victory unto victory, from strength unto strength. Oh Lord, carry us along with the, with the strength of Thy strong right arm. We pray that You would hedge us in. Oh Lord, carry us along and keep us each one that's gathered here today and that is watching in. Lord, bless each one. May we even go forward as thy evangelists this week, seeking to win the lost. And Lord, go with us as we, as we travel. Keep us safe as we depart. And that we would go forth rejoicing in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, put that crown of salvation upon each head here, the gospel upon our lips, eternity stamped upon our eyes, and depart us with thy blessing as we pray in Jesus our Savior's, for his, in his name and for his eternal sake. Amen. Amen.